White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. So welcome into White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight, and we've got you for the next two hours, 1230, riding right all the way up into the 235 pregame show between the White Sox and Detroit Tigers this afternoon. A 310 first pitch. It's a rematch of something we just saw last week. Miguel Gonzalez against Jordan Zimmerman. Miguel was pretty good. Jordan Zimmerman was pretty bad. Wouldn't be at all upset if that happened again this afternoon. The White Sox were able to get themselves a W. Lots to do on the show this afternoon. A lot of news around the White Sox and some of it centering on the television broadcast. Usually we focus ourselves on the radio broadcast here, seeing as we are, you know, the radio broadcast here. But when a legend like Hawk Harrelson uh, makes the announcement that he did just a couple of days ago at the ballpark, we're going to talk about it. You're going to hear from Hawk on the show. And when a young man like Jason Benetti gets uh, announced as his successor, that's huge news as well, and good news, too. So you're going to hear from Hawk Harrelson. You're going to hear from Jason Benetti right here on the show this afternoon. We will also uh, bring you a conversation that the White Sox beat had with Nick Hostetler. He is the head of amateur scouting for them and going to be taking over uh, again during the draft coming up next week. White Sox have a big one on board. They pick 11, of course, and this one is this one is somewhat of a confusing Draft class, I guess I've heard it most best described as not a ton of superstars in the draft necessarily. And who knows? Everyone could be wrong. That's how drafts work. No one thought there was anybody in the Chris Bryant draft. There has turned out to be Chris Bryant in the Chris Bryant draft. So you can be wrong about these kind of things. But as it stands right now, people are looking at it and going, okay, maybe not the superstars necessarily, but depth. Maybe you know you get through this second and into the third round, all that kind of stuff. Maybe you've got some good depth there and some good prospects throughout that the White Sox can kind of parse through. And who knows? Maybe there's a couple of guys that slip into the 11 spot and the White Sox are able to snap them up. So we'll uh, hear from Nick Hostetler a little bit during the show as well. I also had a chance to sit down with Adam Engel. He's the White Sox latest call. Well, I shouldn't say that. He is not now the White Sox latest call up. We'll get to that news in just a second. But. Uh, Adam Engel was, up until about an hour and a half ago, the latest call-up from AAA Charlotte. He, of course, is one of the well, top 15 prospect for the White Sox in the organization. Very good center fielder. Got his first major league hit up the left side uh, just the other day at Guaranteed Rate Field. That was during the, I think it was the second game of the doubleheader against the Tigers, in fact, on Saturday. I had a chance to talk to Adam, and I'll tell you what, I think I mentioned this on the post-game show last night, I was really surprised. I don't listen. I don't mean to, you know, say that I didn't expect anything from the inside of Adam Engel's brain, but he, I was really impressed. The guy has a lot of thoughts on baseball and what it's like to come up as a young kid, what it's like to be in this White Sox organization. He's been in it for quite some time, and that's it's a good conversation. You're going to want to stay tuned. We'll get to that probably about 1:45 or so as we're leading up to White Sox baseball on the pregame show at 2.35 today. Sox fans, you can join us as the White Sox take on the Baltimore Orioles on June 15th at 1.10 p.m. It's free T-shirt Thursday, and the first 10,000 fans will receive a 1917 World Series tee presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Bring your business home to Bedford Park and win big. Purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or by calling 866 866- 
Sox game. Uh, we also, I almost forgot, we also, we're going to play a little game today. Now, this is the first time in, uh, since I've taken the wheel of White Sox Weekly that we've played any kind of giveaway game, I think. We'll have our producer, Tyler Bravo, check the archives and see if, no, indeed, this is the first time we've played any kind of giveaway game. So you're going to want to keep the phone number handy because in about seven minutes or so, we're going to take a quick break, come back. I'll explain the rules to the game. They are very simple but unflinchingly rigid, the rules. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. 312-591-8900. You can also hit us up on Twitter. At C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. That's where you can leave messages for us for the mailbag portion of this show. Or that's how you can get in touch with the post-game show, too. If you want to toss your questions or thoughts on the White Sox after any given game on Twitter, you can do that there. Uh, today, though, the Twitter handle will do you no help during the game. You do have to call 312-591-8900. Now, not going to be one of those guys who says, hey, call in and win a prize, and then I make it some dinky little awful prize. No, no, no. No, no. I have a Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. I'm not currently using the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. I uh, I have a, a noise on the phone that uh, shoots me out of bed like a pterodactyl is is screeching through the room. It's what I need. I need that kind of volume. The Hawk Harrelson alarm clock is more for well, it's for entertainment purposes. You could probably use it as an alarm clock if you don't sleep like a dead person like I do. But... If you're into that kind of thing, and given the news, I thought this was the right thing to do, uh, knowing that we had a Hawk Harrelson alarm clock just kind of lying around, that Hawk Harrelson himself had the uh, the press conference yesterday announcing that next year would be his last calling games for the White Sox. He'll do about, in case you missed the news, he'll do about 20 games next year, mostly home Sundays, a couple of other select games is how the White Sox put it, and Jason Benetti will move into the uh, but-for-the-20-games uh, full-time broadcast role with Steve Stone. It's a Great broadcast, I think, either way, and and moving Jason in is, is going to be a ton of fun. Jason has a standing invitation uh, at any time to come on to White Sox Weekly. So at some point here in the next few weeks, you'll probably hear from him. But we will uh, we'll play the game coming up uh, after the break and get you posted on the rules and exactly what we'll be doing. I think you have the phone number, 312-591-8900. If you want to win a Hawk Harrelson alarm clock, you give that number a call while we're playing the game, give the right answer to the game, and I will find a way to get you the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock that you so richly deserve. couple of pieces of news and notes. Last night, of course, a loss for the White Sox. They fell to Detroit 15-5. to They haven't had a lot of games like this. They really haven't. There was a 13-7 to defeat at the hands of the Red Sox. And if you're, if you're calling right now to get in on the game, that's fine. We'll keep you on hold. And then once we start the game... We'll, we'll we'll kind of go through things. We'll clear out the phone lines and whatnot. Um, they they lost one to the Angels, twelve to eight. That was pretty much out of range from the get go. Fine, understood. When these losses have happened, and the White Sox have had a couple of losses where they've, you know, been blown out, I suppose, like yesterday, but not many. And really, when you think about it, even those blowouts, they've found a way to get back into the ball game to make things close, to fight things out and, and not give up at bats. And Ricky Renneria, for what it's worth, has said that that's what they're trying to do. That is the emphasis of the program. That is the process that the White Sox are going through, given everything else that's going around, going on around this franchise. So, with that in mind, and given that Derek Holland is 
been pretty good through the first 10 starts of his season, a 2-3 ERA or so. That jumped to about 3.4. That's going to happen. He has pitched fearlessly inside to right-handers. And as a lefty, that's very tough to do. I think yesterday, in looking at yesterday's game, the breaking ball just flat wasn't there for Derek Holland. You're going to have those every now and again. It, they were rollers. They got plugged. So be it. Move on. See what Miguel Gonzalez has for you against Jordan Zimmerman. For what it's worth, the White Sox have hit that Tigers pitching staff pretty well. Michael Fulmer coming into last night's game and had 10 consecutive quality starts to the season. White Sox dinged him around. And then Jordan Zimmerman has, well, he's not been all that great, a a 6.5 ERA for the Tigers, and the White Sox tuned him up. I think they put 7 on him. Yeah, it was 7 in the uh, prior matchup just about five days ago. So we will step to the break. Uh, and those of you on the line and trying to win a White Sox Hawk Harrelson alarm clock, stay right there because we're going to go through things. I'll explain the rules. They're very simple. They're very strict. But you've got a chance to win a Hawk Harrelson alarm clock by calling 312-591-8900. Right after this, this is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. You don't stop. It's time to take the playing catch. It's time to take playing catch with your dad from the backyard to the big leagues at Family Field Day on June 10th. Enjoy guaranteed rate field just like a player. Play catch in the outfield, warm up in the bullpens, visit the dugouts, and much more. Join us for Family Field Day on Saturday, June 10th. That is right around the corner. Saturday, June 10th, and support Chicago White Sox Charities. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSoxCharities.org. We are playing our very first White Sox Weekly Trivia game. I can't believe it's taken us a full year. Let's see, I started February of 16, so that's all the way. Into, yeah, that's a long time before we played a trivia giveaway game. Here are the rules to our ball game this afternoon. It's, it's really simple. It's really, really simple. First and foremost, you have to call 312-591-8900. That's the phone number. For those of you already on the line, maybe you might be a little bit of a disadvantage. However, if you get the question wrong, you're more than welcome to call back and see if you can get it right next time around. I'm, I have a list of players. It is a lengthy list of players. All of these players have one thing in common. You have to, and the judges will have to rule on the syntax, you have to give me the one thing these players have in common and you will win the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. Our first caller will get two names. Our second caller will get the third name and so forth and so on. Then, as we're, you know, if we run out of callers, I'll just keep listing names and you call back in when you think you know the answer as to what all of these players have in common and you'll win the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. Easy enough? Capiche? Okay. Those are the rules to today's White Sox Weekly Trivia. And who knows? Maybe we'll never do this again. But it's entirely possible that I never get my hands on another Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. So so be it. Now, I am told by our producer, Tyler Bravo, that there are rules as to how we have to start a White Sox trivia contest here on the show. Yeah, okay, so there are rules. So I believe you get this. Do you love Yomo Sanchez? I see. see. Mucho. Mucho. Nice. Mm. I love Yomo Sanchez. All right, fire up the bed. Let's get this going. All right, so <clears throat> here it is, your aforementioned list of players. I believe we're starting with Ed and Homer Glenn. Hello. Ed, you get two names. If you name what they have in common, you win the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. Okay. Ready? 
Now, Ed, if you lose, if you get the wrong answer, or if you can't give me one in you know a couple of seconds, I gotta hang you up. You can call back and try okay. again. All right? Okay. Here are your two names, Ed. Paolo Orlando. Adam Libertor. Right-handed. No. Ed, you can call back in. Next up is Daniel in Wooddale. Daniel, your third name. Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross. These are baseball players? <laughs> yes, they are. But that's not the right answer, Daniel. You can call back. They're, they're baseball they're baseball players. Of course they are. I love the... That's great creativity. That's fantastic. Of course they're baseball players. Matt in Mount Greenwood. <laughs> they, are, they are, in fact, baseball players. That is not the answer we were going for. Here's your fourth name. Ready? Paolo yes. Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo. All catchers? No, they are not all catchers. Paolo Orlando's an outfielder for the Royals. <laughs> Matt, you can call back and get another name. Head back out to the line. It's Drew. Drew, are you ready? Yes. All right. Here's your next name. Ready? Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart. They were all born in the same place. No. No. Interesting guess, though. No. We got another one. On the, we got another fish on the hook. All right. Here we go. Daniel. I'm going to add another name for you. Ready? Yes, sir. Paolo Orlando. This is for a Hawk Harrelson alarm clock, people. So let's do it. Paolo Orlando. Adam Libertor. Robbie Ross. Wellington Castillo. Chris Stewart. Adam Ottavino. Don't overthink it. They're all uh... got to the line. 312-591-8900, by the way, is the phone number. 312-591-8900. That's the number. You win, you get a free Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. I'll find a way to get it to you. Max, you're up. Ready? Max. We lost Max. All right, well, then the rules go this way. I'm going to give Tyler a chance to pick up the phones here. Oh, there's a lot. You need a minute? All right. Andrew, you're next. All Andrew, right. you ready? Yes. Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart, Adam Ottavino, Mike Morse. They had all had walk-off home runs. No. Decent enough guess, Daniel, but that is not correct. We head down the line. All right. Nick, you're up next. Nick, you ready? No, I'm sorry. Is Daniel? No. Yes, sir. Daniel, you got to turn the radio down for me, A, number one. And B, here's your next name. Ready? Paolo yes, Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart, Adam Adovino, Mike Morse, Joe Musgrove. They all started their professional careers in the White Sox organization. Ooh, no, no. But great guess, Daniel. Well done. All right, moving down the line, we've got Nick next. Nick, here's your next name. 
Got it. Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart, Adam Ottavino, Mike Morse, Joe Musgrove, Manuel Margot. They were all drafted the same year. Ooh, no. Good. No, no, they were not. No, Wellington Castillo's like 100. All right, down the line, we got Ed. Ed, you got us? Yeah, I'm here. All right, 312-591-8900 is the phone number. We're giving away a Hawk Harrelson alarm clock, and I'd really like to do it in the next three minutes or so. Otherwise, we got to take the news break, and then we got to start the whole thing over. So, Ed, we're counting on you. It's like you got a 2-2 count with a man on third here. Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart, Adam Ottavino, Mike Morse, Joe Musgrove, Manuel Margot, Lonnie Chisenhall is your next name. They were all traded to the White Sox at one time. They were not. They were not. They were not, Ed. We moved down the line. I believe it is Andy. Andy, ready? Yes. All right, so you got the names. Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart, Adam Adovito, Mike Morse, Joe Musgrove, Manuel Margot, Lonnie Chisenhall. Amir Garrett is your next name. Amir Garrett. They were all born on the same day. No. No, they were not. No, they were not. You know what? I'm going to give... Tyler, do me a favor. Put the music on hold for one second. Thank you. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. You can win a free Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. We're giving it away. I, I honestly didn't think the trivia would be this hard. Here's, I'm not trying to trick you. This isn't anything crazy. It's something that they all, and maybe this will help, they all currently have in common. They are all currently having this in common. Mike, you're next, right? You can fire up the music whenever you're ready. I know Tyler's doing like nine different things over there. Mike, you ready? Yep, ready. All right, my man. This one might do it for you. Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart, Adam Adovino, Mike Morse, Joe Musgrove, Manuel Margot, Lonnie Chisinau, Amir Garrett, Vince Velazquez. All of them only appeared in one Sox game. Ooh, no. Fair guess, though. Fair guess. Daniel, I think you might be at our break-even yes, point. I think this might be the light starting to peek through the door. I think we're very close. Paolo Orlando, Adam Libertor, Robbie Ross, Wellington Castillo, Chris Stewart, Adam Adovino, Mike Morse, Joe Musgrove, Manuel Margot, Lonnie Chisholm, Alamir Garrett, Vince Velazquez, Dustin Pedroia. All under the table, boys. Yes! Daniel, you did it! They are all... Congratulations, my friend. Thanks so much. Uh, I got to say, I finally figured out a couple of calls ago. I was playing these last couple of guys and get it. When you said Pedroia, I knew it. When you knew which which name which name well, gave I, the scent I, off? I thought about. I thought Michael Morris might have got hurt in that brawl. If yeah, I heard, maybe he did. He got hurt. He got a concussion. He got his noodle scrambled. Okay, and yeah. then uh, Chisholm Hall. I, I believe when you said Chisholm Hall, that's when I started thinking about it. When you said Pedroia, I was positive that was the answer. Well done, Daniel. Top notch, my man. Do me a favor. Tell me two things. Well, one, you're going to tell my producer, Tyler Bravo. The other, you're going to tell me, where will you be putting the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock in the, you know uh, my, in the my, house? My son just graduated from kindergarten yesterday. We were supposed to go to that game. We didn't go. I've been on all over eBay for the last couple of weeks. Oh. It's, it's it's going right to oh, my... Uh, now you're pulling the heartstrings, Daniel. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm serious. Believe me, I... I, I, I had like four guesses. I finally I, I knew it was going to maybe come around my way, and 
I appreciate it, Connor. You do a great job. You got it, man. Okay, stay on hold. Do not hang up the phone. Stay on hold. Tyler's going to pick you up, get you your information. We'll get you the Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. might take us a bit, but it's going to get to you. And when you get it, Daniel, do me this favor. Shoot me a picture of the boy, of your boy, and the the alarm clock. Send it to us. We'll tweet it out. Let everybody know you got it, okay? Absolutely. I can't wait. Appreciate it, man. All right. Stay on hold. Daniel's our winner. Thanks, everybody, for calling and and chipping in. Some great guesses. Yes, in fact, they all were baseball players. I think that one was my favorite guess. We had, like, four names. They're all baseball. Of course they're all baseball players. It's White Sox Weekly. Of course they're all baseball players. I had hoped to do a longer thing, a segment, a topic, if you will, about all of the guys on the disabled list so far this season. I mean, there are other names on here, and you know, it was going to get much easier down the line. Ryan Braun, Ian Kinsler, Freddie Freeman, Aaron Sanchez, Noah Syndergaard, the rest of the Mets, David Dahl, Houston Street, Rich Hill, Madison Bumgarner, Felix Hernandez, Carter Capps, Adrian Beltre just got off the disabled list, David Price made his first start against the White Sox, coming off the disabled list, Corey Kluberman laid up for a while, James Paxton, who might be one of the best pitchers going right now, if not for his disabled list stint, is on that list, too. And then the White Sox, of course, and, and I was going to get into this longer thing about the White Sox and how, what they've had to do to overcome some injuries. Tyler Saladino, Dylan Covey, Gio Soto, Nate Jones, Zach Putnam, James Shields, Jake Patrishka, Juan Manaya, Charlie Tilson, Carlos Rodon, and just this morning, where did I put that? Michael Inouye goes to the 10-day disabled list. He's got a strained quad. Brad Goldberg comes up from AAA Charlotte to take his place on the roster. That is the latest bit of White Sox news. Daniel's our winner on the very first White Sox Weekly Trivia Contest. Congrats to him. Congrats to his son, who I think was kindergarten, I think he said. So that's awesome. That's awesome. You get a Hawk Harrelson alarm clock. We'll we'll probably do one of these again. That was fun for me. I hope it was fun for you. Now you know the phone number. Don't be strangers. We're going to take a break for news. When we come back, you'll hear from Hawk Harrelson, uh, who will make next year his last in the broadcasting booth. A legend. Uh, speaks to you next. WLS AM 90, White Sox Weekly. White Sox fans, you can join us for Country Music Night as the White Sox take on the Oakland Athletics on Friday, June 23rd at 7.10 p.m. Be sure to stay after the game for a post-game fireworks show presented by Coca-Cola to purchase tickets. Visit WhiteSox.com. I'll tell you what, on fireworks nights... I've been doing this job long enough, but on home fireworks nights, it's never fails that I'll start the post game show and kind of just forget. You know, I get involved in, you know, I'm looking at a bunch of stuff and whatnot. And that first firework that goes off during the post game show nearly makes me fall out of my chair. It just surprises the heck out of me. I never remember it's coming. And you really, I really should at this point, I've been doing it for a long enough time. And a great fireworks show out there at Guaranteed Rate Field. You should get yourself out to it. That is. June 23rd against the Oakland Athletics for Country Music Night. Mentioned earlier and made it a large focal point of the show in the first half hour, Hawk Harrelson has announced his pending retirement. He will hang up the microphone, I guess. There's got to be a better phrase for that for announcers, I suppose, for broadcasters. Next year will be his last 20 games on the broadcast. Gets a little bit of a farewell tour, well-deserved. Uh, He will do mostly home Sundays and some other select games, the White Sox have said. Jason Benetti will fill in as the full-time guy as Hawk transitions out. I I think it'll be a a beautiful and smooth transition. I think Jason does a fantastic job on games uh, right now, and I I assume he'll only get better. 
you've heard the talent. I, I know a lot of White Sox fans have enjoyed the broadcasts, and Hawk is Hawk is legend. Hawk is legend. I I really don't know. I, I seriously I, I don't know how better to put that than Hawk is legend. And for him to have been in that booth since 1982 with a number of different partners, uh, broadcast partners, and and to be, I think I remember reading a quote too from Jerry Reinsdorf. It was that afternoon. Hawk came down and talked with uh, with the reporters and us on what would that have been? Thursday, Friday was the off day. No, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday. Thursday was the off day. Wednesday, and we were all sitting in the dugout and kind of listening to him talk. And then Jerry talked to a few people as we were. Mr. Reinsdorf talked to a few people as we were starting the pregame show. And I remember seeing on Twitter a couple of things. You know, it was Hawk and Don Drysdale, and they they couldn't figure out who to hire to do the play by play. So they hired them both. And I, just, I mean, impressive. Really, kind of the the whole history of that broadcast booth as is. And I know for a lot of White Sox fans, Hawk Harrelson is, I mean, he's the guy. He's everything you've watched over the course of the year. And we're a radio broadcast, and all credit where credit's due to Ed and DJ, to John Rooney before, and all that, all the guys that, that were in there. But, you know, today is is kind of Hawk's, or this week, I guess, Hawk's week. So we had a chance to, to hear from Hawk as he kind of described the – decision-making his career in whole and a couple of memories he had. And there's a really good, there's a really interesting, I thought, uh, question about the game as it's played now and Hawks' um, thoughts and interpretations on on length of game, on pace of game in this current major leagues. And, and I thought it was pretty interesting the way he de- um, delivered a, a response to that. I Working on the radio broadcast, like I said, I don't get a chance to listen to Hawk probably as much as I used to considering, you know, we're doing the DJ broadcast. But for Hawk, to, I, I, maybe he's brought this up before. I'm not sure, but I thought it was pretty impressive for him to, to talk about it the way he did. I hadn't thought about it quite that way. So, without any further ado, Hawk Harrelson. After so many strikeouts and so many fast sandwiches and six thousand over six thousand games, I guess called. Uh, it's about that time I'm getting there. I still, you know, I still love it. But I want to spend more time with the grandkids. Yeah, 13 and 10 now. They both uh, are getting better and better in their sports. No help from me. I just watch them play, and they're growing both uh, academically and, and athletically. So I talked to it with my wife, and, and uh, the White Sox, you know, it's been the greatest ride of my life. And uh, it's been a lot of fun with these fans. I'll never forget the, anything that has to do with us. Nothing. I'll remember it forever. Will you still be involved uh, after? Yeah, we're going to take it year by year. Uh, I'm going to come back next year yeah. and, uh, and do day games. You know, living in the eastern zone and... And working in the central zone after the games are getting longer, that makes my trip and with my temper. It's not semi truck drivers and my temper don't mix. <laughs> not at 3:30 in the morning, especially when it's raining, because I got an axe handle in the back of my car along with some mace, and I've literally chased some of those guys before. And I'm just glad I hadn't caught anybody because it, one of us would have been knocked out. So. 
quit. You're choked up. Obviously, a really difficult decision. The what? To do. Difficult decision for you to come to. You're, you're choked up about this a little bit. Oh, I am. Yeah. Long time. Since 1982, Jerry got the club in 81. And I, uh, I enjoyed everything about it except 86. <laughs> that wasn't a whole bunch of fun in 86. That's the worst job in the world, being a general manager. You know, after that happened, I, uh, I had a couple of offers to be a gym and a couple other clubs, and I told them, I said, you don't have enough money to pay me. That's uh, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. And when you have to deal with that, you don't sleep very much. And all of you know how much I love to play golf. Well, for a year and a half, I played nine holes because there was a lot of things that had to be done. And we got a lot of them done. Uh, and some of them were harmful, hurtful. And and I was glad to get out of that. Hey, Mark, I know you uh, mentioned Jerry already. You, uh, I imagine you have a very special place in your heart for Jerry well, he's the best owner in sports, and I'm not. Uh, you get other guys. I mean, for an example, I had some scouts the other day. We were in Phoenix talking, and three of them. And one of them said, You know, Hawk, I'm coming to see you guys uh, the next homestand. He said, I got to meet Jerry Reinsville. He said, I just want to go up and shake his hand and say, I have got to meet you. And the other two guys chimed in. You know, not many owners have brought seven world championships to uh, their city. And he's not done yet. All of you know how much I love Robin Ventura. I love him like a son. But believe me when I tell you, Rick Ventura is the right man to carry this thing forward. Looking at uh, your career, Hawk, it, it would appear that some people, a lot of people loved you, a lot of people didn't like you, but... You never bored anybody, and you always, <laughs> you always, you always brought out uh, a reaction from people. Would you, well, you say, you, in, in, as a broadcaster and an entertainer, that that's essential to, to last as long as you have. Well, when I first started in 1975 with the Red Sox announcing, and about a month and a half, two months after we started, I got a call from Kurt Gowdy, who was one of the all-time great announcers. He said, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, I'll be at the ballpark tomorrow. He said, okay. We started talking. He said, one of these days you got a chance to be a hell of an announcer, but you got to remember one thing. You can't please everybody. Don't try. Well, it was eerie because about two or three weeks later, Cosell called me. And he said, I'm going to be in Boston. I want to talk to you. And it was almost surreal. It was almost verbatim what Kurt said. That don't try to please everybody because you can't. And... If you try, those guys that try to please everybody, they don't last very long. And I've grown over the years, so I've got a very, very thick skin. And some of the some of the best laughs and, and fun I have are reading some of the fan mail. Hawk, you stink. I mean, you know. And, of course, there's a lot more that on the other side of the page that I appreciate. And uh, I still get a tremendous amount of fan mail now. And as long as that happens, you know, that, that says something about uh, longevity and announcing. But uh, I still, as I said, I love, I love 
these players, these players are better than we were. Now, our superstars would have been superstars today. They would have been superstars 100 years from now. You know, your Mantle and Mays and those guys, Musials, guys I played against, K-Lines and Killebrews. And, and but the average player like myself and the average player in the big leagues today are so much better than we were. They do things that we didn't even think about doing. We didn't have to face 95 to 100 mile an hour fastballs in the last three innings. We had some hard throws, don't get me wrong. We had some real good pitchers, don't get me wrong. But the game has changed. This is not even a... This not even does not even resemble the game that was played 40, 50, 60 years ago. I broke in in 1959, and that's my goal that I want to leave my grandchildren a legacy of. On January 1st, 2000, that's it. That's shut down date because that will put me in professional baseball for all the parts of eight decades. And not many people have been there. Ben Scully is there. I don't know if Florida is there. I know Don Zimmer was there. Dave Garcia was there. And I want my grandchildren to have a memory of their granddad being in professional baseball all the parts of eight decades. What's going to be the one thing that you're going to miss the most? Oh, the ballpark, the fans. Uh, and I'm leaving at a time, really. It's not... I'm gonna, as I said, I'm going to do some games next year. We'll just take it, you know, um, what they But watching, watching the game, the game fascinates me today. And anybody tells you they know baseball, they're, they're full of it. Nobody knows this game. That's how beautiful it is. It changes all the time. And any time a game changes, uh, all of a sudden now, it just you just don't understand it. The only thing about being a around the game as long as I have been. I've been around it more than most people. And guys of my ilk, so to speak, we don't know any better than y'all. Y'all watching the same thing we are. You know, watching the same players, same strikeouts, same old minds, same mistakes. But the White Sox have been something special. And if you talk to a lot of players around baseball, they'll tell you, the ones who've been here, they loved it. To me, it's the greatest organization. I, I can't speak for basketball and football. I'm sure there's some great ones out there. In baseball, I, I think a better way to frame it is that there's not a better organization in baseball than the Chicago White Sox. It's just that something. You can tie us, but you can't beat us. And to be in the situation like I've been, and been blessed to have been in this situation for all these years, do the math. Go figure. How, how yeah. much... What's it mean for you to be able to have their 20 game schedule next year? They kind of have a farewell for it. No, I don't. That believe me, Colleen. You know, you know. I think you know me better. I, I don't. I don't care about that. I really don't. Uh, it's just going to be fun to be coming back to the ballpark. It's just like when I retired. You know, when I broke my leg and my ankle, uh, I never missed a game one time after that. And I went into golf, which, you know, gave me another area for a while. And I got $225,000 worth of council checks to prove I cannot play golf. So, you know, it was uh, – and then I came back into baseball. And it made me realize, even though I had not missed playing the game, I still loved the game. And, you know, when you've been doing it again this long and you're uh, – and with the people I've had to work with, you know – all the production people, all, all the media people. People don't understand. you got Jim Angio, you know, who's a Hall of Fame 
director, you know. And uh, the production crews we've had to work with have been just tremendous. And I've done network baseball, and I didn't like it. That's the reason I stopped doing network baseball. I did not like it. I did not like having two producers, one in each year, telling you what to say and, you know, what not to say. Or don't go there, you know. <clears throat> so, to me, the, the optimum, I've never had a job in my life. I have never, anytime you go to work every day, and it's not work. Anytime you have a profession or a career that you go to every day, it's not work. I have enjoyed, even the eight years that I've had this commute, going back and forth to, to South Bend, you know, in Granger, uh, there's always something to think about on the way here and on the way back. If we won, it was great. Then I could turn on my Sirius XM and, and listen to Ben Skelly or somebody, you know, on the West Coast who were out there. And when we lost, I could sit there and cuss everybody out. There's nobody to hear except me. me. And I talk to the hawk a lot, believe me. <laughs> he doesn't always respond. <laughs> but we have, some, we have some good conversations. In the last uh, 35 years, how has it uh, evolved for you as a broadcaster to broadcast two-hour and 20-minute games and now three-hour and 40-minute games? What, what is that? And is that, is that well, a concern for you as a baseball fan as well as a broadcaster? Not as a broadcaster. But it is a, for the fans, for baseball fans, it is a concern. There's no question about it. Uh, they're going to have to do something to, to, to stop that. And all the people who, who work, uh, we work together and who work with me, they know I don't care how long the game lasts as long as we win. It doesn't make any difference to me. I don't care if we stay here for four or five hours. I don't care if we have to start it again tomorrow morning, which we've done that too. That game against Seattle back in 1983. But um, I was, uh, as a player, I didn't care how long the games went, you know, as long as we won. And Jerry and I were just talking a little bit a while ago. Uh, this organization right now, I'm leaving, you know, there's three ways to play 500 baseball. Uh, there's this way that you're going to be a 500 team. There's this way that you're not a 500 team and you're lucky to be a 500. And then the third way is be a 500 going this way. Well, the White Sox organization now is going this way. At the time that I'm leaving, well, I'm going to miss that. I will not miss a game, though. I mean, I will either listen to it on radio or I'll watch it on TV. And, and Jason Benetti is going to be a hell of an announcer. I'm, I'm very proud. I'll listen, I'll listen to uh, Ian Stoney. And I'm very, very proud of... Uh, of what he is right now and what he's going to be. You know, he's still young. He's still in baseball as far as major league and feeling his way a little bit. And uh, he's just going to get better and better and better. And you guys are going to enjoy him for a long, long time. That is Hawk Harrelson. Next year will be his last in the broadcast booth, and he's right about Jason Benetti. We'll hear from Jason in just a couple of minutes here on White Sox Weekly. we got to take a break. We're up against it. Uh, a few of them, I think. Uh, I do want to tell you, though, that the MLB.com at Bat app is your number one mobile app for live White Sox baseball. You can stay connected with a fully customizable experience. You get White Sox home screen icons and app features, as well as game day, live game video highlights, radio broadcasts like ours, StatCast news, and more. Download MLB.com at Bat today. Also, I'll be taking White Sox Weekly on the road Saturday, June 10th, live from 3 to 6 p.m. at the T-Mobile Magnificent Mile Store. Come on out, say hello, maybe, just maybe, we'll have more stuff to give away. We'll see. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890.
Zuba's Palooza is back on Tuesday, June 13th, as your White Sox take on the Baltimore Orioles at 7.10 p.m. Receive a voucher for a White Sox Zuba's T-shirt with the purchase of this specially priced ticket. T-shirts are limited to the first 500 fans, so get yours today to purchase this specially priced ticket package. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Zuba's. I suppose it's probably worth spelling that for you, seeing as I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Is it Zubaz or Zuba? I thought it was Zubas. Zubas? I thought it was Zubas. A little bit before my time. My parents had a pair, though. There are pictures. They are awful. I mean, great, but awful. Z-U-B-A-Z. Z-U-B-A-Z. WhiteSox.com slash Z-U-B-A-Z. That's Zubas. So we got the news coming up. In fact, we're just a touch late. We were listening to Hawk Harrelson discuss his plans of retiring after the coming season, the 2018 season. We'll hear from Jason Benetti. The man that's taking over in just a few. We'll hear from White Sox outfielder Adam Engel. We got a conversation with Nick Hostetler. We got a lot to do before we start the pregame show at 235 with the White Sox playing the Detroit Tigers. We'll get to that in a little bit. Right now, your news. Now, White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to the second half of White Sox Weekly. This afternoon, we've actually had kind of a lot of fun. At least I have. Hope you have, too. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on the show. You can always hit us on Twitter. At C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. We use that for the mailbag portion of this show. Don't know that we're going to have a mailbag today, only because we're we're packed, absolutely stacked up with, with other stuff and and interviews and stuff that we, we want to get to that we kind of cultivated over the very brief homestand, the very brief and rainy homestand. My goodness. Uh, but we got all those games in, which is a good thing. The White Sox took three of four from the Tigers and then lost two of three from the Red Sox to the Red Sox, I suppose would be the proper preposition there. Um, and then we've got a couple games coming up with the Tigers here. Another 10-day road trip for the White Sox. They have not played the most road games in baseball. In fact, the Tigers have played more. But they've played a lot of road games so far. You'll see your White Sox at guaranteed rate field for uh, almost, I think it's like all of June. I just moved the schedule away from me. Almost all of June and almost all of, uh, I'm sorry, of, of August and September. It is June. <laughs> uh, you, all of August and all of September, the White Sox are home at guaranteed rate field. So a great chance to get yourself out and see that ball club. And I don't think it'll be a surprise to anyone if possibly... Some of the White Sox that are playing in August and into September, especially once the rosters expand, that some of the guys uh, in the minor leagues, some of those big-time prospects, may in fact be strapping on White Sox jerseys and playing a guaranteed right field and getting their first or perhaps second little cup of coffee at the big league level. We'll get into the minor league report a little bit later on in the show, perhaps in the last segment right before we kick it over to the pregame show and shift ourselves into the sports studios here at WLS AM 890. Um, have a couple of things up on the list. On deck, Jason Benetti, and he is very much uh, metaphorically on deck for the White Sox. He's going to fill in full-time. I shouldn't say fill in. He has been named Hawks replacement successor to the broadcast booth. I like Jason a lot. He has a standing invitation to White Sox Weekly. He's like one of three people who have standing invitations to White Sox Weekly. It's, uh, it's Jason Benetti. It's Mr. Jerry Reinsdorf, of course, obviously, Mr. Jerry Reinsdorf. And uh, Richie Sexton actually has a standing. Don't ask why. Don't ask why. He just does. 312 591 
is the phone number. Um, minor league report coming up. Jason Benetti in a couple. I sat down with Adam Engel in the dugout, and we talked about life and baseball and whatnot. We'll bring you that about 145 or so. And the Major League Draft is it's it's here pretty much. I mean, it's a week or so away. Uh, Nick Hostetler, who runs the minor league draft, or the, the amateur draft, I should say, my apologies, the amateur draft for the White Sox, uh, had a press conference, talked with some people, um, some beat reporters. And I know we talked with Nick a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago or so. And that was just prior to I, when we sat down with Nick. I, I think the general kind of outlook, the general here's where we're at sort of thing is there's there's this list. We have a list of players. We've gotten it down to a, a pretty manageable number for you know that pick at 11, that first pick the White Sox have at 11. And now I think it's really started to get distilled. I think the picture has really become much more clear. And it usually does right about this time because not to say that there can't be surprises at the at come draft time because the fact that Carlos Rodon went to three to the White Sox was – I never saw it coming. That He should have gone 1-1. It absolutely should have. The fact that he went to three was unbelievable. And there are other surprises. Guys kind of move around a little bit um, you know, even across town. Kyle Schwarber having gone four when he did – Nobody thought that the, the Cubs would go to that point with Kyle Schwarber, who was at that point not considered uh, all that versatile player, pretty much just a bat. Uh, there are some moves, but by and large, those first 15-ish, almost 20-ish picks are kind of choreographed. People know, in the industry, I mean, where teams are likely looking to go. And I think, you know, Nick kind of mentioned there, there's there's a pretty good idea of where things are may fall um, you know, teams like to play things close to the vest, and it's a draft, so there could be surprises. But I think there's a much better sense now than there was even three weeks ago when we talked with Nick Hosteller. So we'll do that coming up. Right now, though, uh, had a chance to sit down with Jason Benetti after uh, Hawk Harrelson had his press conference. Jason talked for about four or five minutes or so, and you know, he just has a different he has a different background than people who have typically called Major League Baseball games for, and I mean that in in every way. I think Jason would would mention that himself, and and, and in fact does. Uh, his influences, where he's coming from, the whole there aren't many, and I can tell you this as a fact: there aren't many people in this industry, the broadcasting industry, who get to work for the team they grew up rooting for. And in a very real way, I would say every broadcaster has their fandom change drastically over the course of their career. You don't. You're not a fan in the same way you were when you weren't doing this. You can't do this well and be the same guy more or less, uh, with the exception of former players. Play, that's, I'm just talking about the broadcasters here, the guys who didn't play Major League Ball, the guys who never got a cup of coffee, anything like that, the guys who got cut from their high school team. I won't mention names. But for Jason to be in, a, in the spot where he's in is remarkable in just about every way you could probably fathom. And I thought it'd be cool to listen to a couple minutes of, of Jason with reporters uh, just on Wednesday about his taking over for Hawk Harrelson. This is amazing. And and to, to do it in conjunction with Hawk Harrelson and Steve Stone, guys that you watch for years and know what they do, and there's a part of them inside of you, uh, it's pretty cool. This is such a, such a dream realized that you have to pinch yourself saying, it's really happening. Uh, well, like I said, when I got the job, it's 
the odds of something like this happening even for five games are so infinitesimally small that if you pin your life hopes to something like that, you're probably going to be disappointed. But yeah, there's there's a piece of me that says you never think that this is going to happen. You actually lose the idea that it could happen, considering what you see as an adult. And somehow it did. In your broadcast, you seem to have the ability to uh, entertain yourself and your audience as well as inform. How difficult is that to do? You didn't mention Steve. I evidently have a great difficulty entertaining Steve. Uh, I love to laugh, but I also love seeing the way baseball takes anybody's mind. Anybody sitting in the crowd is using baseball as a springboard to talk about something, whether it's some other piece of the game, some player they remember, whatever it might be. That's what we try to do upstairs, and that's why it's such great fun for me and for Steve and our entire crew. Uh, this organization is building, hopefully, to go back to the top of the mountain like it was in 05. We're going to grow along with it. How exciting is it that the best years are still right in front of you right now? I've never been mountain climbing. I imagine that it would not be terribly easy, but I'm excited to watch this team grow. I really am. In all seriousness, this is unbelievable timing, considering the guys that are in that spring training clubhouse for the first time are there right around when I got there. So I can watch them as they grow, as you all will, as the fans will, and get to know them from day one. And to be able to do that with this new batch of players is, is an outstanding opportunity. Will you still be able to do your ESPN stuff? That's the plan, absolutely. Yeah. College. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Hawk and Steve, what have you learned from them since you started this with them? Oh, the learning started years ago, just watching baseball games. I mean, I, again, I I used to go around elementary school doing a Hawk impersonation, you know? I've since mothballed the Hawk impersonation. Can you do it? Can you do it? I can, but I won't. Uh, the, he's, he's such a, a wonderful entertainer and person who loves the game so much. And to not feel that as a kid would mean I had a heart of stone. I mean, he is, pardon the pun, uh, Steve there. Uh, he's such an entertainer, and he's such a lover of the game. To, to grow up watching Hawk, I think, made me realize that you can have fun on the air. You can enjoy the game for what it is and beyond. And Steve's analytical mind is second to none for me. But also, I think Steve doesn't get enough credit for how clear of a speaker he is, how well he conveys information to people. What he has in his mind doesn't need to come out as cleanly as it does, and that is such a skill. And, and I've learned a lot just sitting next to him for down that line. When did you learn that broadcasting was entertainment as well. Hmm. When did I learn that? I think it's acquired over time. The, the people that I love watching, whether it be Hawk or Sean McDonough or Ian Eagle, the people I gravitate toward are the people who like to have fun and some witty conversation and, yeah, some bad jokes, too. They don't all land. You learn from people who are really good. And But what they also do is 
call a really great game. Like, that's the whole point of it. You earn the ability to have fun by calling an impeccable game. And that's where we try and get every night, is both. Who outside of baseball do credit for helping you with your success? Oh, I listen to a lot of people. I, I, I think the Giants guys are really, really good. Uh, Fleming and Miller and Piper and Kruko, they're fantastic. Ben Scully, obviously, who's no longer doing the games, but Ben is just listening to him and the way he crafts stories is, is amazing. Uh, I think you all know that Len Casper has been fantastic to me on the other side of town. Pat Hughes is wonderful to listen to. I mean, I've learned a lot from just talking baseball with Farmio and DJ upstairs, and, uh, you know, I don't get the great opportunity to listen to them because I'm working, but, you know, I grew up with John Rooney and, and Ed Farmer, too, and, and their style of doing baseball on the radio, and they're, they're, I like clicking around. I like learning from people. Ryan Lefevre from Kansas City, their TV guy, who's been around the game for so long, has, has been a wonderful sort of quasi-mentor to me just in how much we see Kansas City. He's shared some of his thoughts on how to prepare for games, and uh, there are so many people who've been so genuine with their time. It's, it's pretty neat. That's Jason Benetti, White Sox broadcaster. A man will be in the booth for 142 games next season. Congratulations to him, and well, congratulations to Hawk on, on a legendary career, to be sure. It's not over yet. 20 games, and then, of course, he'll be around as an ambassador. It'll be parts of eight decades in baseball. For Hawk Harrelson, 1959, he signed his first pro contract. I think his major league debut was 63, so a couple years in the minor leagues, but still, that's pro baseball. 1959, all the way up until 2019, where he'll be an ambassador for the Sox. That's there aren't a lot of people. That list is short. That list is really short, and it's impressive that Hawk's going to be on it. Uh, phone calls at 312-591-8900. A conversation with White Sox outfielder Adam Engel. He is the second most recent call-up for the White Sox after Brad Goldberg will make his uh, first appearance in Major League Baseball uh, this year as he's been replaced. Uh, he will replace Michael Anoa, who hit the disabled list today. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. We'll be right back on WLS AM 890. The Young Professionals Council is hosting its second annual stand-up with the Sox comedy event this Thursday, June 8th at Zaney's in Old Town. Comedian Pat McGann is a very funny man. Back to host the show with all proceeds benefiting White Sox charities. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sox Comedy. WhiteSox.com slash Sox Comedy to get your tickets today. I had a conversation with White Sox outfielder Adam Engel just before the White Sox took off to go on the off day and then head to Detroit. I hadn't had a chance but once to talk to Adam in spring training, and at that point it was... Day three of spring training, something like that. I didn't. Well, I was going to say I didn't know him from Adam, but he actually is Adam, so that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, he was, you know, a guy who had had a good season in the minors and pulled through. The defense is there, and that's evident from the like the very first fly ball you watch him take. Dude is super chill. On, I mean, he just knows where that ball's headed. That is an instinctive outfielder. Bats coming around some. We talked about where his hands have been, how the mechanics have changed the last year for him. Uh, by the way. Adam is is due to have his first uh, baby in just a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, his wife is is very pregnant and uh, probably a baby on the way. So there may, in fact, be a trip to the uh, to the paternity list for Adam and couldn't be more excited for him for that. That's awesome. Uh, but here he is, chance to sit down with White Sox outfielder Adam Engel. So get a chance to talk to White Sox center fielder Adam Engel. Just called up from Triple A Charlotte. A couple of days in the bigs so far. You have not had to carry a single bag, I assume, sir. That's got to be a good feeling being up here in the show. 
Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty pretty cool so far. We actually have our first road trip since I've been up here tomorrow, so uh, I'm interested to see what that has in store for me. It'll be a little different than the bus ride. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to um, Sparky today, and um, he's like, "Man, you you haven't traveled yet." He's like, "Just just wait." He's like, "We don't even fly the same way you guys do in AAA." So, you know. Um, I was telling them, you know, on the field, the game's the same, and off the field, things are very different. We talked about, you know, when you got called up, it was really early in the morning, something like 1.30 or 2.30. You played with guys who, Carson, Lucas, Ronaldo, a lot of guys, I'm probably forgetting some, who had been to the big leagues before. I got to imagine you had a chance to talk with them either when it happened or as you come up about what to expect. Honestly, it kind of happened so fast that I hadn't, you know, talked to them. Sure. Um, as far as, you know, in that in this window that we've had so far, but I've talked to him, you know, um, especially Jacob May. He was down in um, in Charlotte when I was there, and I got to talk to him a lot about it, a lot of the different things that you wouldn't expect to talk about, you know, with me and Jacob are really close, so I was able to talk to him about the small things like off-the-field stuff or whatever the case may be. So I've gotten, a, gotten the lowdown from him on a, a bunch of different things, and obviously, you know, experience is the best teacher, so um, as I'm up here, you know, I'm learning as I go. I got to imagine some of the guys in this clubhouse are pretty good with young kids coming through. I, I was talking to Anthony Swarzak about the bullpen with all the young guys out there, and he said, you know, that there's not a lot of, you know, the hazing, there's no pink backpack, all that kind of stuff. They kind of accept you, but I imagine at the same time, you know, you understand where you're at. You understand who's yeah. in this clubhouse. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's one of those things where you try not to talk too much or talk out of turn, whatever the case may be, and um, you want to make sure you're doing everything that the team asks of you and, uh, you know, kind of see what the older guys are doing and, and pick up habits from them. And, um, you know, other than that, you got to try and you know stay out of the way and, and make sure that you know, like you're saying, know where you're at as, as far as some of the other guys' service time. And, um, it, you know, Anthony's dead on. The, the, so far, the guys have been awesome as far as, you know, just trying to, to make you feel comfortable and accepted and try and, you know, make you feel like you're you're part of the team pretty quickly. Um, from what I hear, though, most most of the the duties come when, once you, you're on the sure, road. Sure, sure. So, like I said, um, I might have a different story for you once, once we come back from Detroit. But uh, it's, it's all in good fun. And, um, you know, I haven't experienced it yet, but um, everybody has. At one point, every every rookie, I'm sure, has, has gone through some sort of, um, you know, just team building and, and whatever the case may be. Our guy on the broadcast, Darren Jackson, is an old center fielder himself. He played a long time in the bigs. He saw you take Davi Garcia whistling down the line here. He saw you take one route in center field, just turn, go on a ball, catch it with ease like you'd been doing it your entire life. He is absolutely stoked about your defensive game. You were the defensive player of the system uh, last year. Is that a calling card? Um, you know, that's something that I, that I work extremely hard on um, every day. You know, it's it's not something that you just, you know, you learn and you have it forever. It's something that you, you're consistently working to get better at, working to stay sharp at. Um, and that's, you know, that's one reason why I feel like I've been able to progress through the system. Um, it's because of my defense and um, it's definitely, you know, part of, a huge part of my identity as a player, um, what I bring to the table. So... Um, like I said, I just work on it. continue to work on it every day and, and definitely understand that that's, that's expected of me at the, this point. So. The wheels, though, are a God-given gift. Right. I mean, we watched you go all the way around the diamond. That had to feel – I mean, you knew you were going to come around to score pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the ball – right when the ball was hit, uh, depending on where the right fielder was at, 
I knew I had a chance to score. So I knew if the ball got past the right fielder or got to the wall, yeah. um, I had a pretty good chance of scoring. So at that point, you just run. You know, like you're saying, that's the easy part. You yeah. just, just run, don't fall down. Same <laughs> distance everywhere. Yeah, don't <laughs> yeah. trip. Don't, don't run into that. What What has, uh, you know, finding your swing over the last, let's, let's call it 12 months. Let's call it an even year, you know, from where, let's call it the start of June to all the way to last June. Man, um, it's been a long, a lot of uh, adjustments, whether that's mental, physical, um, you know, approach-wise. Um, it's been a journey to just get to know myself as a hitter and understand what works, what I got to do to get myself ready, what I got to do to help myself be consistent, um, what I got to do to get confidence. You know, it, it, a lot of what we do as hitters is before the game, and then once the game comes, you're just trying to um, repeat what you did before. So um, you gotta you gotta figure out what works for yeah. you. And, and everybody everybody's a little bit different. Um, a lot of guys in the big leagues, um, you know, they they found out what they do really well, and that's what they make their money on. So um, every player kind of has to figure out what that is for them. And I would say the last year has been a big you know learning experience for me if you know i have, i've always had a picture in my head of who who i'm going to be when i get to the big leagues and um you know it changes so in weeks past on this show uh we've talked a lot about you know whether it's other some prospects or whether it's with front office guys just about how important failing is in this game where you fail who you're around when you fail I, I wonder if, you know, as the Sox have so many young prospects with a bunch of talent like yourself, I wonder if there was, I mean, is there one night that you remember going home 0 for 7 dozen and thinking, you know, and, and then the light coming on the next day, the next game, the next doubleheader, you know, whatever it was. Man, that's, it's happened a lot where you go home and you're 0 for and you're kind of like, what do I, what, what's going to pull me out of this? You know, and, and that's, that's probably the one thing that I would I would advise every young player is um, if you believe it's going to get better, it will. But if you don't believe it's going to get better, it probably won't. And um, not that that's you know a huge piece of advice, but it, it keeps you optimistic. Makes you sense. know what I mean? And you know even this year at the beginning of the year in Charlotte, I was struggling in Charlotte to start out the season. And but never once did I. Um, even doubt the fact that it's going to turn around. You know what I mean? And that's something that you only get over years and years yeah. of, of playing the game and understanding the way the game works. You know, um, if I would have started that way, you know, maybe my first year in Pro Bowl, I don't know if my attitude would have been the same. Um, but like you're saying, going through that those failures over the years, you, you learn, like, for every time, you know, you're feeling like they can't get you out, there's right. going to be a time where you feel like, you can't get a hit or you can't help the team win that night uh, from the offensive side. And um, you just got to roll with the punches. And um, I think what gets you back on track the quickest is just a good attitude. That is White Sox outfielder Adam Engel. Appreciate him joining the show. We talked just before they took off for Detroit. We come back after the news, a conversation with the amateur scouting director for the Sox, Nick Hostetler. Draft right around the corner. This is White Sox Weekly on WLSAM 890. I got a couple of predictions for you here on White Sox Weekly. On June 12th, and this much we know, the Chicago White Sox will be playing the Baltimore Orioles. Game time, 7, 10 p.m. I predict our pregame show will start at 635. In fact, I promise you that. 
It will likely or could be Derek Holland and Alec Asher on the hill as the Orioles are in town to face the White Sox for a very quick four-game home set. Also, that night, in the fourth inning, the White Sox will make the 11th pick in the Major League Draft. Draft starts at 6 o'clock. Game time. Wait, did I do that right? Eastern time all the way back to... Oh, okay, so it'll be right about the start of... You know, so 6 o'clock. Yeah, but right about the start of the game. Right about first pitch. The White Sox will actually also be making their first pick in the first round of the 2017 MLB Draft at number 11. I have no idea who the pick will be. The man who does is Nick Hostetler, the director of amateur scouting for the White Sox. He sat down with reporters just a couple of days ago. And really, I, I know we had, like we mentioned, we had Nick on a couple of weeks ago. This is a an updated, fresh, brand new look at where things are at. Not The players are the same. They're still scouting the same players. But it is a new look at the where this draft is, is kind of set up about a week out. June 12th is day one of the MLB draft here. It's the amateur scouting director, Nick Hostetler. Tougher draft than years past. Yeah, it is. It is. This is a um, this is an interesting draft. In the past, there's been a pretty decent gap between probably I'd say the first ten or fifteen to the next group. This year, the the difference isn't that much. I think from eleven to forty nine, there's a bunch of players that are going to be very similar. You uh, you know everybody. You know we've talked before. You know what other people know. Do you expect any surprises to fall through to you at eleven? Um, I think it's starting to shake out a little bit. Uh, there's been a few things that have been rumored here in the last probably two to three days that have kind of made me pause a little bit and take a take a closer look at a few guys. It wouldn't shock me. Um, some of these college pitchers are starting to wear down a little bit, which is causing some concern. Uh, some of the high school players are starting to uh, starting to do some private workouts, which are starting to rise those guys as well. So if we can get one or two of those guys that we weren't expecting to go into the top ten in there, um, it's going to push a few guys down. It wouldn't shock me if there's one or two that get down to us. The presence of elite two-way players in this draft, more of a variable or less? Yeah. You You know, I I love it um, from my end because I like to see a guy's athletic ability. If a guy shows me he can pitch, he can hit, whichever way we like him, um, really helps us to understand the more athletic the player, the more chances we're going to have to to be able to fix him or help him or or move him along quicker. Um, It's nice to see. I'm not sure it's going to stay like this. I wish it would. I wish guys still played both. Kind of goes back to when they were playing Little League in high school. You know, it kind of, it's the true part of the game. So that part's exciting. But um, I like it and wish it was wish it was more prevalent. Can the White Sox look at a Kyle Hendricks type young pitcher and say, can we draft a guy in the top rounds here that that maxes out at, at 88? Uh, what is that philosophy for you guys? Yeah, and you know, in the past we've normally been throw it harder, harder, hardest. Um, and you know, with Coop and Hass and, and Dot in their minor league system. I, I, gives us the utmost confidence to take that guy like a Kyle Hendricks that might not show the velocity, but in the future we think it, the pitch ability is there to, to speed through the system. And, and look, in this draft, um, in any draft, if we're able to get a guy that's fifth starter, we're going to be really happy. Um, you know, it's just getting big leaguers, the percentages just isn't it isn't there. So a guy like a, a Hendricks or, or guys like Miguel Gonzalez, guys like that that can just really pitch, absolutely. If we think that that pitch ability is there and it rises above a guy that just throws hard and might end up a bullpen, I'll take that guy every day of the week. What are you and your uh, guys' group from Dixon last year? Uh, Hanson had 15 strikeouts the other day. Yeah. I mean, you kind of take pride in that when you see a guy come along, you know, that maybe oh, took a little bit of chance. No, on. no question. We were, we were talking about that in the room today. 
day. It was kind of one of the. They were, I was laughing. I told him, uh, it says like a, a Drake song where it's back to back, like Jordan in '96, '97. We'll take it. You know, do we got to do it again? But you know, to see Alec just have that success for for us, it's prideful. And the guy that signed him's here. Clay Overcash is here right now, and. Um, you know, to have that success, it really justifies what we're doing. You know, and obviously you want to be right all the time. But to be on a guy that you really had to, to step out and take when the industry was down on, um, yeah, there's, there's puff your chest out a little bit get excited about it. What kind of pressure is there coming off a good draft or, you know, what's been deemed a good draft and then as part of the rebuild knowing it's an important pressure? There's no pressure here. <laughs> um, no, you know, it, it for, pre, for me, to have pressure means that it outside influences affect us, and it doesn't. I have a blast in this. I absolutely love doing this. This is so much fun for me and our staff. I mean, we're up there talking players, and we're talking about guys that are maybe 40th round picks, and we're arguing back and forth. I, I love this. I mean, it's exciting for me. It gets my juices going. And, you know, for me, I, it's never pressure. It never is. How often will you uh, call Rick and Kenny and say, I need you guys to go look at this guy. I try to limit the guys I send them to see. I, I don't want to waste their time. I know that they have bigger fish to fry. Um, you know, this big league team, the minor leagues, that especially being more prevalent in the minor leagues, they're, they're going to spend some more time there. So I tried to narrow it down a little bit. After I narrowed down the pool and sent them certain places, I did come back and I said, hey, there's one more guy I want you to go check out. So we do that. Um, they, I know Rick gets tired of hearing from me. Uh, Kenny does, too. Rick will still respond. Kenny doesn't respond to me. It's kind of one of those deals. <laughs> so I'm used to it. But uh, but he knows. They know we're out working. We, they know we're out getting the right players. And the big thing is to get them in front of the right players. Nick, is there a sense after uh, the draft that you're happy with, right? Yeah, trades in December and Robert, there's some momentum going here and they kind of want to throw oh, on it with this. No question. It, it, this is important for us. You know, I, I said it last year sitting here that each year that that year's draft is the most important. It really, truly means it this year because we have to continue to build. And, and once you get this momentum going, you're able to stock our system with players. You're able to get guys in it and get guys down to the big leagues. We start winning here. We want to keep that going. And, and that was the problem before is we just didn't have enough assets in our system to, to hold true that to hold true throughout. So we've got to continue each year to keep pushing forward and and making sure we're on the right guys that stick with our organizational philosophy. Who's the best player overall and you the best guy regardless of position? Best guy regardless of position, uh, but also at the same time the guy that fits into what we're trying to do. Um, we do want to limit a guy with, with swing and miss. We want to make sure that they're putting the ball in play. Pitchers is found the zone. I sound like a broken record with it, but it is true. It's something we believe in. We want to make sure that that's where we're we stick with, and we're going to take our shots. There's going to be certain times where you want to step outside the box, and you got to take a shot because if not, you're going to end up with the same type of player throughout your system, and, and you don't want to have that. What type of tools have you got? I mean, is it personnel? Is it more, more, yeah, more geeks crunching, crunching numbers? Yeah, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, we've added a lot to our analytics department. Uh, at the same time, um, we've also added scouts. We've added scouts on the ground, which has been huge. Um, it's given us, uh, we incorporated a college closer, a college reliever scout this year that um, no other team has, uh, and it's given us the ability to, to line the Zach Birdies of the world up, um, and it's been so helpful for me spending my time. He can get me in front of the right guys, and then I can turn around and um, spend my time on other guys that in the past I wasted some time on. Why hasn't that been done before? Because now with baseball, there's so many that sets up a free Yeah, yeah, it's, and college baseball is going to that. College baseball is really going to, um, you know, starters go six, seven innings, and the bullpen comes in, so there's been a huge value on the relief 
pitching. How much uh, changed as far as what a player is like emphasis on their background? Yeah. We have uh, our social media department looks into Twitter pages and goes through different who they're associated with and um, who they might run with, not necessarily maybe even what they post. So um, the background work that our area scouts put in and, and the time that they spend as well as all the other resources we have, it's part of the puzzle, you know, just as the analytics are and just as the player evaluation. It's huge. It's huge. It, it kind of gives us a, a comfort in knowing who we're, we're sinking our investment into. Look, these guys... These guys don't perform. You know, my kids don't go to camp. They don't. You know, they might not be in private school. Whatever it may be, um, but we've got to we've got to continue to make sure we're, we're minimizing our risk from the personality standpoint, the makeup standpoint. The team just kind of went above and beyond to get Luis Robert. How comfortable are you with your position? Uh, being able to go to Rick and say we might need to go over the normal slot for this guy because yeah. I believe in this quicker time. I'm more scared of Jerry than I am Rick on that. Rick usually has my back. Jerry scares me. Um, no, he's. Uh, they've been great with that. You know, and whether that's even adding staff. Um, I've went to them last couple of years, and I I pushed the envelope on a few things. I've asked for a lot. They've given me every every bit of it. Um, Jerry's been great about it. Rick's been great about it. And you know, if it if it calls upon us going and going to that threshold right before uh, that was it four point nine or five percent, whatever the the number is, um, you know, I'll go to him and ask. I I, I want to make sure it's a special player we do it on. But if we have to do it, we'll do it. That's the White Sox director of amateur scouting, Nick Hosteller. And that last question was literally the money question. Exactly how much or how comfortable are you in maybe having to go over slot for a guy in this year's draft? I don't know if necessarily the talent is is, is the same as in prior drafts. That kind of seems to be the consensus. But being comfortable in his ability to go over, that's impressive All also considering uh, the expenditure on Luis Robert just a couple of weeks ago. We'll wrap things up when we come back. A little bit of the minor league report, some all-star discussion to do. A few White Sox need your help in order to get them a trip to Miami. Uh, it's more than that sounds like. I'll explain in just a few. You've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA 90. Vote today, vote tomorrow, vote White Sox for your 2017 All-Stars with the eSurance MLB All-Star Game ballot. Vote at WhiteSox.com slash vote and catch all of the excitement in the 88th MLB All-Star Game presented by MasterCard July 11th live on Fox. A couple of White Sox need your help in some All-Star voting matters. The... Uh, Latest totals were out a couple of days ago, two, three days ago. So these are maybe just a little bit delayed, but I would imagine pretty solid with where they're at. Your starters in the American League from left field all the way to right field are Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, and Aaron Judge. They've got, well, I suppose they don't do left and right fielders. It's just a bunch of outfielders. But Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, and Aaron Judge. Now, Trout, of course, on the disabled list. He's got the torn ligament, so he died. Don't think he's going to be able to play, or even if he was able. What is it, June, two months? Yeah, that'd be really close for Mike Trout to return from his uh, thumb injury. In the infield, left to right, third to first, Manny Machado at third, Francisco Lindor at short, Starlin Castro, the Yankees at second base, Miguel Cabrera at first base. Now, here's where I have my bone to pick. Miguel Cabrera's very good. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best right-handed hitters I've ever seen in my life. However... I don't know that his numbers are necessarily all-star numbers right now. He's a young man named Jose Abreu who's had a pretty good start to the season. 
he is not in the top five of all-star voting right now at first base in the American League. It goes Miguel Cabrera, Yonder Alonso, who has somehow learned how to hit the ball farther than 250 feet this year. Carlos Santana, who's having kind of a typical Carlos Santana season. A lot of walks, not a great average, a lot of power. Eric Hosmer and Yulieski Gurriel of the Astros. The Astros are fantastic. They're a great ball club. I get it. I don't know if it's if it's a cold first three weeks that have scared some people off from Jose Abreu's uh, you know little ballot number there. Maybe it's possible, but I think it's probably time to do your Chicago civic duty and vote early and vote often for Jose Abreu. Punch that number. I think the man may, in fact, especially if he keeps up what he's been doing the last four weeks. My goodness, all the pop has been on the road for Jose. That's kind of bizarre to me. Ten home runs. And all of them on the road. I guess, frankly, there haven't been a lot of games at guaranteed rates, so obviously, you know, to have the opportunity is one thing, and to to not have it is another. Haven't had all that great a weather in Chicago when the Sox have been home. Couple of gorgeous days, don't get me wrong, but there's been a lot of rain, a handful of rainouts, some cold and windy days, and when it is windy like that, sometimes it helps at guaranteed rate, and sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it does both in the same inning. <laughs> I will never understand the wind patterns there. It's absolutely bizarre. Uh, in the outfield, uh, White Sox do have someone creeping up the number, uh, and that's Mike Trout, of course, on top. Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, we did that for you. Four, five, and six, Michael Brantley, Andrew Benintendi, and Abisail Garcia are four, five, and six there. So Abisail Garcia may have his ballot punched a number of more times, a couple more times here. To get him a trip to Miami. And why not? All right, real quickly, probably the fastest one we've ever done, the Minor League Farm Report. What the hell's going on out here? White Sox Weekly Farm Report. We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh, maybe you can find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting or maybe a silverware kind of stuff. On WLS AM 890. Okay, let's get to Let's get to Indeed. Yoan Mankata, two for five last night as the Buffalo Bisons beat the Charlotte Knights nine to four. Important in this game, though, is that Carson Fulmer went five, gave up just two, did walk four and struck out three. It had been a couple of bumpy starts with the long ball for Carson Fulmer, so nice to see him get things back under control. Jacob May is hitting a cool 295 down in Charlotte since being sent down. Nice to see him regain some confidence there. Nikki Delmonico continues to impress. Here's the slash line for Nikki. 282 with the average. The on base is 359. Nice. Slugging 495 is Delmonico. Danny Hayes continues to slug 473 there. He's got a bunch of dingers, 12 of them in fact. Not a great average at 245, but pretty decent first two months, two, two and a half months in the minor leagues for Nikki Delmonico. Mentioned Yoan Mancata, 307, 391, 470. Coming back from the bruised thumb has been a little bit of a trial for him, but he's getting himself there. Uh, down into Birmingham, we mentioned it. Spencer Adams, six innings, two runs, six strikeouts. 393 ERA for Adams so far this year. Zach Collins was one for four last night as the Winston-Salem Dash got beat up by the Wilmington, uh, Wilmington Blue Rocks. Although Trey Miachewski has figured things out. You hate to be sent down. Nobody likes that. But Miachewski has swung the stick well. Three for four there. Luis Alexander Basabe had himself a knock in that ballgame. Micah Adolfo, 0 for four. But the number is pretty good for Adolfo. Which of the slashes. Hold on. 
288-341-448 for the 21. He's not even 21 yet. He turns 21 like next month. Jamison Fisher is playing really well since coming back. 293, 376, 455. Although I don't think Fisher had a knock in the game. Yeah, he was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Not his greatest night, but there will be more. And he's got a hell of a mustache, too. That does it for us here on White Sox Weekly. You can join us live at T-Mobile's Magnificent Mile Store, 3 to 6 p.m. on June 10th. White Sox Weekly will be live out there. We will see you there. Stay tuned. The pregame show starts at 2.35. Sox and Tigers right here at WLSM 890. I'm Connor. Stay tuned.